0: Hey, it's Anthony here, and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I listen to podcasts every morning while I'm out walking my dog, Kingsley, and I'll frequently hear from or meet listeners of this podcast who tell me that it's also part of their daily or weekly routine. So whether you're walking your dog or driving the car or walking to or from the salon, or perhaps you're out on your daily run, either way, it's great to have you join us here today. So on with today's show. I had successful salons myself for 14 years, and like every business, they had their ups and downs, but definitely far more good times than bad. The reality is, is that most businesses don't last 14 years. So when you meet the owners of businesses that have survived and continue to grow and constantly reinvent for 56 years, you know that there are some valuable lessons for the rest of us. My guests on today's podcast are Jason and Joshua Miller, whose parents, Janet and Charlie Miller, started the Charlie Miller Salons in Edinburgh, Scotland, 56 years ago. And those salons continue to flourish and reinvent to this day. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the key to business longevity, creating staff loyalty, embracing change, and the importance of giving back. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Joshua and Jason Miller.
1: Hi. Hi, Anthony. Great
0: to see you. Oh, Great to see you. Thank you yep. so much for making the time to do this. I know you're very busy. I know you've just opened up another salon. And so, you know, putting some time aside to talk to me today is is very much appreciated. And I know that you've got a lot to offer for our audience. So I'm really excited about, you know, getting to know the answers to some things I want to put to you myself. So um, let's, let's just start off by uh, getting you to introduce yourself. I get all my guests to do this. So just Just give us sort of a two-minute overview of who is Jason and who is uh, Joshua Miller. Give us your sort of two-minute backstory.
1: Okay, so Jason Miller, son of Charlie Miller and Janet Miller, um, brother of Josh Miller, um, married to India Miller, my wife, um, who's also a very eloquent hairdresser and a wonderful mother, got two kids. We've got our 56-year-old business now in Edinburgh, um, very much a family affair. Uh, Travelled the world um, doing shows for Redken and L'Oreal since I was 19 and now 56. And um, with my family and my wife, um, I always knew from a very young age, wanted to be a hairdresser, watching my, my, my father um, and knew I wanted to travel the world at a very young age. And, and I knew that I wanted to meet somebody that, was, that I was going to do it with. And that did happen. So, yeah, it's been a really fruitful career. It's still going. And we're looking at what, how's this going to look in the next 50 years, even, even when we're not here.
0: Wow. We're Fantastic. thinking
1: we would like it. That would yeah. be the dream for
0: it to yeah, continue yeah. or, be, or you know, evolve, keep evolving. Great. Okay. Well, we'll dig into that. Uh, so over to you, Joshua. Yeah, I'm Joshua Miller um, and I'm not a hairdresser. And I uh,
2: i am the younger brother and I grew up in the industry like Jason, but I realized I did not want to be a hairdresser, but I loved everything that I was around. I grew up going to some international hair shows and lots of everything else. And uh, but I was always attracted to the words business and management without really knowing what they meant, and I kind of fell into the business very very soon after school. And I remember Mum saying, "Well, why don't you come and learn to be a manager?" Not that we even had managers then, and mm. we sort of one salon at the time. And over the years, I've grown to learn a lot about a lot of things. And so I look after the business end of things, although we work very closely together in running the business, but the administration. Um, of everything that we have and with our five salons we have normally between 110 120 people all in from mum and dad to the Saturdays juniors the 40 apprentices and the receptionists and the office team and uh, so uh, yeah no, it's, a, it's a great effort and that keeps us going
0: definitely well there's a lot of stuff there to talk about uh, one thing I wanted to ask you I was reading something and one of you is a budding painter which, which one is that?
1: me
0: jason. jason you're the painter yes. right okay yeah, yeah. good well, i saw something on your website about you uh being being a painter and i think that is a yeah. it's a fantastic thing it's another outlet isn't it you know the, yeah. the canvas yeah. doesn't talk back to you in the same way yeah. as a as a client but it's a it's a creative yes. outlet so yeah good on Got you.
1: A, lot, a lot of similarities to to hairdressing and gardening and stuff like that, I think. Yeah, But I've just got a passion for it, I love it. Yeah. And it's all about interiors as well. It's about images and, you know, it's, I like it, my, I would say, I would call my art, it's moods for spaces.
0: Fantastic. I'd love to see some of it someday. Now, um, your dad um, and your mom, you know, um, they started the business, Charlie Miller. Uh, fifty-six years ago. I didn't realize it was fifty-six. Yeah. I thought it was sort of nearer to fifty. Nine, nine, um, nine. And, nine. Okay, and that's did did you say that's how old you are as well, Jason? Yeah. yeah. So you were you you were born the day the business or the time the business right. opened. Ar- so, around okay. That time. Right. Okay. I didn't realize you were that old. You don't look that old. If I if good. I can yeah, say good. so. So yeah. Yeah, did podcast. So I
1: don't
0: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so is your is your dad? I mean, you know, he was or is a a world famous hairdresser, as you've just said. You've travelled the world, you've done a, a lot of stuff out there over these years. Uh, is he still involved? Are they both still involved in the business at any level? I mean, if the, uh, they've got to obviously be in their mid seventies, late seventies, yeah. or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no, they're not involved anymore. Um, and they both had a gradual. Well, mum's mum's is a bit quicker coming out of the business, but I suppose in a certain way, always still involved. Yeah. Um, I kind of took mum's jobs away. As a business groom, we had more systems and more processes. And mum always looked after the business side of things uh, from the beginning. And so my, my journey was that kind of replaced her role. And, um, and then dad, um, I don't have an exact date on it, but it was probably about 12 years ago, 13 okay. years ago. He said to us one day, he said, you two know the answers better than I do. So why don't you get on with it and I'll start stepping aside. And that was quite scary actually. We didn't yeah. tell anyone for three months <laughs> because it was just like the responsibility, we had to get our head around it. And um, yeah. particularly because, and this was a really important lesson he taught us a long time ago. He says there's Charlie Miller, the person, and there's Charlie Miller, the brand, and they are two very different things. Yeah, And we were very, very fortunate um, as a family and a family business that he had that insight as the founder that just because as his name above the door doesn't mean it's always in his control or image well you know we own the business equally but as a family we've always worked really well to together and so when he stepped back even then it was very gradual we always we often use the word organic yeah okay things happen organically you, you, yeah you have plans but a lot of things happen in an organic way, and, uh, and this was one of them. It was a very gradual, and over okay. the years it was less
0: and less. Are they still, I'm sure they are, interested in the day, you know, not the day-to-day, but they're interested in hearing about the business and how it's going and, you know, the new projects you've got and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yes, um, we, they, they definitely are. Unfortunately, these days our dad's got um, early stages of Alzheimer's, yeah. As well. So he's um he's still very, very um excited about it though. Like he came to the new salon opening, and yeah. you know, he he just he still has the appreciation and he still has the hairdresser's eye. Yeah, he can still check yeah. out a haircut You <laughs> no. you know, it's like <laughs> once they're always there. And so yeah, yeah no, it's definitely both got a deep appreciation um for the industry and everybody in it as well because it's been part of all of our lives and we've met so many amazing people in the industry, Um, hairdressers and business people that you've known for such a long time. Um, It's an amazing industry to be a part of from that point of view. You know, there's such... there's a lot of care in the industry yeah. and I think (laughs) um, we're really fortunate
0: in that. So, you know, what's the, what's the key to making, I mean, you know, a lot of people have businesses that are successful for a while, you know, five years, 10 years, what, what is the key to having a successful business for 56 years, a family business as well? Like what, what, what are the ingredients that make that possible? Because it's not like you, like you're still going. Like you're still going up. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you've peaked and you're on the, the downward hill. You're opening new businesses. You've still, you know, got great credibility at every every level of the industry. What's the key to making that work? When, when the business turned 50, we um we worked with a marketing agency and we produced a magazine
2: that we called 50 Years Together. And it was the story, and it was very much about where everything that's happened in the previous 50 years and how we got to today. And it was it was very much about today and our relationship with our clients as well, and you can see that on our website if you wish. And um, but one of the the agency we worked with, they did this grand day to get to know us, and they uh, when they came back and presented, one of the words they said, they said, "Well, oh, we had this word, we weren't sure if we should use it or not," and we said, "But we did," and we said, "It's that word there," and it was really obvious, and it was the word restless, and. Restless can be taken as a negative way, but a positive way too. And I think that's why they grapple with it. But for us, we liked it because, it, and another way you could say it, it's about evolving. Mm. There's, a, there's always a need to evolve. And I think when you sit still, you rest. And, you know, if, there's always momentum mm. in the world and you know it's a universal law there is this momentum so you're either trying to move forward or you're naturally moving backwards and there's something inherent in our DNA about evolving and this restlessness and you know and that means that's not about being reckless or anything like that it's it's but that with that willingness to keep changing and um and finding the next best thing whatever that is or just in the newest way of being and so that's I think a really inherent thing uh, that that drives um, the success and where uh, we've always come. From.
1: And I think the other thing is um, it's the respect for each other and being uh, you know being okay about stuff you've got to deal with sometimes you know and facing realities um, and just always on. Well, we're in this together. Mm. It's, it's okay, good good or bad, as it were. And so we've, we've just been lucky that we've, we've managed to um, make, make it work. I always remember somebody said to my mum dad, how, how did you get your family to join? And I always remember my dad said, well, we just decided to make it attractive. And I thought that was okay. a brilliant answer. As a mm. parent, if you can be attractive to your own children, mm. then that's quite a skill. So they were attractive to us. Mm. You know, not only were they cool, but they were yeah. attractive to us in the way they allowed us
0: to be. Yeah, uh, very good.
1: It wasn't so controlling, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing which we always say, which uh, is my dad's te- our dad's teaching, that he and we still use it today with, with, with our values, it's to be genuine, have empathy, put yourself on other people's wavelength and have a non-possessive warmth about it. Mm. And if you go about dealing with your business or people or friends in that way, things work. If you take one of these things away, it doesn't. It's really, mm. really simple. Yeah. Um, and uh, But it's really hard to work on because you never stop working on that because we're human beings. And sometimes we fall short of some of these things a bit. So um, that I suppose if we work together like that, if we try our best to work with our teams like that, with our clients like that, then the world can be a pretty decent place.
0: Yeah. Is there um, another generation of millers Coming along, I know you, you said your wife's involved in the business, Jason. Is there, uh, is there any children that are in the, you know, the next sort of uh, generation coming through? Yeah.
1: No. Um, well, in, interestingly enough, our, our daughter has actually just started for the first time. She's thirty, working with us, helping us to run our academy. Um, and uh, there's a lot of background work there. It's very systems. Kind of driven uh, position, um, and but we've never pushed it once our kids. My son's a professional rugby player down in England. Definitely doesn't want to be a, ha- a hairdresser. Yeah, Josh, what about your kids? Yeah,
2: mine are. Uh, one's just finished uni, and other one's still at uni, and um, not not looking like they want to be hairdressers, and
0: that's. That's so you, really cool as Well, so you, you know, I can throw it back at you. You, you. you haven't made it attractive enough. I know.
1: Well, <laughs> I know. the thing is, we've yeah. not we've not pushed it to try and control it, and yeah. it's interesting. It might be interesting in the next five years. It might come full circle.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: because there's a lot of different possibilities for business yes. in our world. It's huge. Yeah. And there's so many different areas. I mean, we've gone into just manufacturing our own products in the past couple of years, which is, you know, a really exciting part of our future, we feel. And, you know, what's going to happen with that? Who's going to run that? Mm. So you might have children that are very much into business that don't necessarily want to be hairdressers. Mm. There's a huge amount of very creative people and successful people in our industry that don't cut hair
0: like Josh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, one of the things I noticed when I was looking through uh, your website and the magazine that you alluded to, I think it must've been that was that you have a lot of team members who have been with you for 10, 20 plus years. What is, I mean, that's obviously a real credit to you and the culture that you guys have and that your mum and dad started and stuff. What What's the key to that, to creating loyalty and creating that sort of team culture? Because again, you, you, you know, if you could bottle it, you could sell it, so to speak, you, you are obviously attracting good people. I mean, like every business, you lose people as well, but you've got good people, yes. you've got good loyalty, you know, what, what are the sort of principles behind building that into a business?
1: I think it's um, it's definitely having the family feel. It's caring about people. It's treating people how you would like to be treated yourself. It's um, and again going back to that always evolving. It's it's being attractive. It's you know how your salons look, the creativeness of our industry, keeping up to date and being try, trying to be at the forefront of what you do is being attractive to people to be want to to they want to be a part. Of that scene, mm. um, and we all, you know, know there's great salons all around the world that definitely do that. And it's, um, I suppose, it's the vision that you have moving forward, business-wise and creatively, that you've got to be attractive with. That you know, that makes this hairdressing psyche want to be a part of that. Mm. Um, and I mean. You know, there's probably yeah. loads of other little things, yeah. but you know, I think a big one of the things that comes to my mind
2: is when you're you're asking about succession and fa- family is, you know, we we are a fa- family business, but there's so many people that are here that we think of as family, and and we've worked together such a long time, and while there's no. Exact, you know, we're not about to exit the business and there's no immediate succession plan. Is when we think about and talk about succession, it's for it's not it's not so much about just, just our kids, it's about everyone else in the business because there are so many people who have their own families. And actually, so it's important that we make sure the business survives, is successful for them because mm-hmm. it, it looks after so many people. So we are, you know, it's an extended family in that sense and that sits somewhere you know very core into the way of how we are and when Jason talked about values and we, and we talk about the genuineness, the empathy and the warmth so how we are with each other that, that comes into it as well because then that creates the environment where we care about each other and we hear and we listen to each other and we endeavour to do that as best we can and then that's where we start to understand people's needs. Yeah. Sometimes better than others, but, 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 but at the core, you're, you know, it's, it's about, you know, there's another phrase we got brought up with, and that was about having a, a small head and a big heart.
1: Mm.
2: You know, get, you know, you, you can have a healthy ego. We've all got egos, but, you know, keep the heat, as we say in Scotland. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's a small head. You know, let's, mm. let's keep the Does ego that- in check.
0: You know, is that from uh, your dad, that one? Is it? Yeah, Small head and a yeah. big heart. I, I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I and, it, really
2: it, it. And, it, and it comes down to that. You know, yes. Really, you go, yeah. So be that way. Care about people. Make it less about yourself. And as soon as you are that way, you you gain instantly. You know, hairdressers are brilliant at that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I might have school. this completely wrong. Uh, so forgive me if I have, but did I read somewhere years ago that your dad was into Buddhism? Not a Buddhist, but a Buddhist. into lots
2: of different spiritual journeys.
0: Right, okay. Here.
2: And um, although many people have thought he was a, a Buddhist, because there's a few pictures of him with the Dalai Lama, and he's met the Dalai Lama a few times. Right, um, okay. Friends that have organized, actually, one of our close yeah, family friends yeah. is the organizer who's brought him to Scotland three times now. So, um, and but there's a, there's a, a lovely story, the very first time the Dalai Lama came to Scotland, there's in Dumfrieshire, in Southwest Scotland, there's a Tibetan centre and mm. a temple, and it's, it was the first place in the West that was set up in the 60s, 50s or 60s, and um, and it just happened to be in Scotland. And there was always my parents always had a connection to it because they were always interested in new ways of being and thinking, and mm. not just being religious, but they were into spirit, and um, so they were open minded to to that and. Um, when the Dalai Lama first visited Scotland in the early 80s, I think, my dad made sure, our dad made sure he got a present given to him. We didn't get a chance to meet, meet him at that time. And it was a wall clipper. And it was a it wasn't an EC, it was a DC ver, ver version, so he could use it around the world. Yeah, yeah. Right? So and, and that's the end of that bit of the story. However, 30, 40 years later, <laughs> on a trip to India with our friend Victor, family friend Victor. And they went, they had an audience with him in Dharam Sasala, where he lives. And my dad, this came up as a story. And he said, Was that you? He goes, I still have it. He says, I'm using it tonight.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic.
2: So, so there's
0: fantastic. Yeah. He, yeah. He uses a wall clicker. Yeah, sorry, Jason. I know. I know you were going to say something there, and I, I interrupted you. That story just came to my mind. I remember reading about him somewhere, and that he had a very sort of Zen outlook on life. And the way you were just talking about the business and the longevity and the loyalty of staff and the family culture and the the values you have, it all sort of. I just wondered what the connection was to that, because it seems to, you know, uh, emanate yeah, well, I mean, into the business.
1: Yeah, Dad's always had this sort of, you know, somebody would say, "Has your dad got any hobbies?" And he used to read about spirituality um, mm-hmm. a lot, and so he was just always intrigued. And it's probably it's been his lifelong hobby. So it rubs off a bit uh, when you when you start getting in stuff like that. You meet people, and he, so he's he's just always been um, very very open to to. Different ways of see, we say different ways of seeing and different ways of being, actually. Mm. And it's not any one religion; he's not re- religious. But um, so we, a, a lot of that kind of stuff's rubbed off, and you know, it's it's, it's so healthy, as it yeah, were. And so yeah, yeah. you know, it's um, as yeah loads of people in the world, they're, you know, people's awareness of these things is so huge now in, in, in the world with communications and people have travelled, etc. So, so yeah, that's, that's been a, it's always been there and it's always been around. But again, we sure. were never, we, we, it wasn't pushed on us, mm. it just kind of rubbed off you gently.
0: Mm. Okay. You mentioned before you you dropped in. Well, there's a couple of things I wanted to pick up on. I know you've just opened another salon, but you also mentioned a training academy. Um, talk to me about that. How is? I mean, this is a very open-ended question here. Uh, how has training evolved? um in your business over the last you know 20, 30 years. What what are some of the changes that you've seen and you know where is that now as to how you're approaching that as a business? Because I suppose this is all tied into that whole thing about longevity and being restless. You you've got to constantly evolve and change and and that's what you do. So tell us about that in that context of training and educating a team.
2: So when we we opened the salon 10 years ago and I had enough space for it's upstairs to be an academy stroke salon space and so we don't we don't use it as a space where anyone can come and pay for a course we're not doing external courses it's more for ourselves and also we work with l'oreal extensively and they so they they use the space a lot for their courses and so there's a lot of people coming in with that for them um the and we call it the academy space, and it's another one of those. Well, let's start with that. Let's see where we get to with that, and that's evolved over the years a bit too. And mm-hmm. that was a, another.
1: Let's see where that goes.
2: You know, um,
1: and it's it's been a great space for us in relation to even having staff meetings. We can get everyone in there to together. Um, you know, it's just it's not often you get one hundred and ten people to, together, but we know when yeah. we're having meetings or seminars or you know team team events um it's it's great for that so um and we can you know we can hold our own events there as well so it's been a great space to have um but training wise um i think it, it's interesting i think as somebody that teaches hairdressing um i don't think i, I don't think there's Really, if you want to create a really truly brilliant hairdresser, there's obviously a lot to it. These, you know, there's it's it's grown a lot in many ways from a a theoretical point of view. The way that L'Oréal teach color keys and you know, there's some amazing stuff there. But when it gets down to it, for me, it's really about the the craft and the graft. It's the one to one. It's old school craftsmanship about creating a beautiful hairdresser and I don't think you can get away from that if you want to create a really skilled beautiful hairdresser. Um, it's, I once read a book called Bounce and it's how how do you become a master um, and it's 10,000 hours in a nutshell. Now mm-hmm. if a young trainee comes into a salon and generally works in a salon they're doing about 2,000 hours a year. They go on the floor and by the end of their second year, they really blossom. Mm. That's a really interesting stage. It's 10,000 hours-ish. Mm. And I, I do believe that. And I think it's just, you know, you, you don't create amazing hairdressers quickly. I think there is so much to it. I mean, there's all the things that you teach in the, the way that you are, the, your awareness, look at it, you know, I mean, that whole grow book that you've done that is just absolutely fantastic. Thank but you. But I, I really do think that it's, um, you know, the craftsmanship and the training, you've just got to keep putting it in. There isn't a quick fix. Mm. And you've got to have the passion for it. And it's, you know, that it's, it's can be quite, quite tiring, that as well. But we just keep putting it in and, 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 and it's the only way that we will continue to create beautiful hairdressers. Yes.
0: Do, you, do you lead that side of the business, Jason? Are you like we, the, the creative director for the brand?
1: Creative director wise, my wife in India and I have always been the creative director from an artistic point of view. But when it comes down to training, we have um, a lot of wonderful people that you know, we know, all the hairdressers train, we all train each other and it's mm-hmm. ongoing so each salon um, works on their team and then we have uh, Ian Blythe that's worked with us for um, a long time now 40 years plus he is um, one of our heads head of training and he's got such a wealth of knowledge um, and we do uh, a lot of one-to-ones these days mm-hmm. um, and another recent thing that we've done over the past few years is that on, on our, our um, our, all of our third years, they go out on what we call tour. So they spend three months in each salon. So because, you know, if you think about somebody who's just left school, comes straight into our industry, it's all they know is that first place. So giving them different experiences, we found, that has really grown. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that, that's been a really
2: significant impact the past few years. Um, what was telling was when we first did it, they, they were very nervous. Uh, we used to sometimes at the end of their three-year training go to another salon for a week or two, and we realised there was a lot of value in that. And, uh, but there was a bit of natural resistance to yeah, that change, yeah. to suddenly going, oh, uh, but this is where I work, this is who I'm with, yeah, this, this is, is the- where I go every day. He went, no, no, we want you to go somewhere else. So that first year, it was a real, <laughs> people were digging in, in their heels, but actually they started to realise, actually this is really good. I'm getting a fresh set, set of eyes on myself. And, but that was good for us because we we're getting a fresh set of eyes and, you know, starting to knock bad habits out. Things have mm-hmm. maybe got a bit messed or ingrained. And then when they move to the second salon after three months, it improves again and then again. And what we've discovered is um, people, there's, there's more maturity. People have come out of their comfort zones more. They've realised that embracing more thinking more things is, is safer, and actually helps them develop and grow more. And uh, as, as a non hairdresser, witnessing the output and listening to the salon managers talk about the apprentices as well, um, it's actually one, one of the best things we've done for years. Um, and, uh, and is really, it's producing a more mature, um, more driven uh, young haird- hairdresser. Or not, you know. It's actually it's reading yeah. out the yeah. people that are going. Actually, no. You're you just want it too easy,
0: you know. You're. And well, it's, not it's definitely to one. It's definitely one of the advantages of having a, a salon group, um, mm. that, that because a lot of people leave a job. Sometimes they leave a job because they don't like the manager. Other times they leave a job because they're bored and they just want some change. You can offer them the change within your group is amazing. So, so yeah. I know you've just got to open another salon. I want to talk about that. So you've got six salons now, yeah, in total. Uh, and
2: well, we've actually closed one to open another. So
0: right, okay, so five. There's five. So right. we're still
2: five. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and are they all in Edinburgh?
2: They're all they're all in Edinburgh. Yeah, three of them in the city centre and two of them um, in. It's more suburban areas, just about a mile outside the city centre.
0: Okay, but they're all the same brand. You, you own them all. They're all aimed at the same target market. They're all very much the, so. yeah. the same business model. Yeah, yeah? And
2: okay. people can move. Although we don't move people around. Well, the stylists don't normally move around, but these trainees can. We're all yeah. in town, yeah. so that's that's something we can do. They can be they can support each other when you know, if people are off sick, receptionists yeah. and, and things like that. So we're all near-ish, same pricing, same systems, um, Yeah, you know, evidence
0: consistent. What, what What's the key to expansion? There's a lot of people you meet every day in the industry who've got one salon that's going well, and they think they've got the Midas touch, and and so they're going to go and open a second, and uh, you know you see them two or three years later, and they've gone back to one. Um, I mean, yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I I heard that that happened to people, I'd be a wealthy man. Uh, so I have my own ideas about it, but from your perspective of someone who's you know at the coalface who who have done it and you have expanded and you have got a significant <laughs> business, what are the what are the bullet points that you would say you have to do this this and this if you want to expand? Well,
1: I think management training Joshua very clearly identified a number of years ago that we need to put, if we, we need to, if we want to grow we need to create managers. So um, it helps if I think if the leader is a great hairdresser. But you can have amazing managers that are not hairdressers as well. So management training is something that we um, has helped us grow. And we've put time and energy into that. We've had external help with, with that. And to grow the person as a manager, to be a real people's person, Not you know, to, to be able to really truly look after and to grow, as you would call it, a team and do all the things that you teach and in, in, in your, your work as well, all that stuff on top of fantastic hairdressing. And then it's always been the who, you know, it's not just where do you want to cover a new salon, what's well, more, it's, it's the who is going to run a new salon because if you don't have the who, don't do it, <laughs> end off. Yeah. It's like if you want to open a great restaurant, you need a fantastic chef. And you also need a front of house, who's amazing mm-hmm. as well. So you have to tick the boxes. There's the front of house, there's the team, there's the manager, a great backup of office. And the way that you know Joshua runs with the, the rest of the team in the office, there's a support mechanism there for all the systems. So um, because the bigger you get, the more systems have to be in place. And hairdressers are not necessarily systems people. <laughs> Are we, Jason? (laughs) You know, (laughs) they like to to be artistic. And so they need that support. Now, there are amazing hairdressers. We've got some fantastic hairdressers that are great systems, you know, Mm -hmm. but you need to identify what these things are so that it all works because you don't want four great salons and one salon that's not doing that well. A lot of communication um, you know, very regular meetings with all the, all, all the team and the managers so that we know we're all singing from the same song sheet and constantly, constantly talking about how is everyone. So when we have managers' meetings, which we do a lot, and we tell the rest of the team, we say, do you know what we, do you know what we talk about at the managers' meeting? And they go, what? Well, they go, you. <laughs> how are you? How is everyone? Because if everyone is okay, things work mm. and as soon as thing if somebody's not okay or not happy or something else in their life is affecting their work uh, or, or their life that sometimes needs a better care and a better treatment so huge amount of energy on that if you want to keep it going right mm-hmm. and if you don't do that but then struggle to see if you could make mm-hmm. it work to be quite honest mm. yeah, okay. you, need, you need you need to build your team
2: And you need to um, allow people the opportunity to lead and not hog the leadership. So you need to allow people to be salon managers um, as well and allow them to grow and evolve. And if you can't do everything, and that was something we learned a long time ago. Uh, We had three salons and a great team. And then one year we opened two more salons and we realized we couldn't see everything. It, it it we with the business had suddenly got bigger and the old model of running it was not working anymore. And we had to allow more can but to give away a bit more control. We instigated assistant managers into the, the business and you had to delegate a bit more um as it grows. And I've I've asked um I know someone that owns a very large um, group of shoe shops in the UK, and I asked him how they do it. How do they run 100 shops? And he said, well, we've got the office, we've got regional managers, then a local manager, then a store manager, but yes, it's, it's tiers of management. The bigger it gets, the further away from the face you get, but you need people, and it's all about the people. And I've often said, you know, we're, we're people that look after people, and we do it through hairdressing. So, the it's, you focus on the people, and if mm. they're in a good place and they're healthy, and they feel their careers are being managed in the right way, and you know the energy feels good and right, then things are good. And if it's not, then that's what you work on. You 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 work on making that healthy. Mm. Because when we get these things right, then they look after the clients better, and they and they learn better and they regress better. And when these things happen, clients are happier, and then. They pay and they come back, and and that's where the business happens. So yeah, yeah. you 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 literally don't chase the money. You look yeah. after it. Okay.
0: So, you know, in the in the last thirty forty years that you've been involved in the business, you know, different generations have come through. What what do you see? In the generation today that are entering the workforce, Gen Gen Z, so between you know uh, up to up to 24 years of age, uh, uh, you know, between eight and 24, I think it is, uh, uh, a Gen Z, Uh, and so obviously in a hairdressing industry we have a lot of gen z do you notice any difference i mean obviously there's that they have new technology you know available to them that we didn't have how does that impact on how they learn how you teach you know what their needs and expectations are i mean and we're going to touch on covid after this to sort of talk about what impact that's had but everyone i talk to these days talks about how people want more flexibility they want more Control. they want more autonomy, et cetera, et cetera. So from from a business that employs well over 100 people, got a great culture, great team, and a successful business, it's not falling apart. What what is it that you notice about that generation and how you have successfully accommodated them, integrated them into your business model?
1: Big question. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things. Um, I think there... You know, the younger ones are obviously much more environmentally aware. Mm. I think it's something that we have to embrace more as we move forward. Um, I, I think we have to be careful that there's so much that you can have so quickly from, uh, you know, from learning how to do stuff online, seeing things really quickly. You know, you can just you can see so much without having to go to a hair show, say, for instance. You can just go on Instagram and you can have loads of, of, of information, loads of inspiration. So that has changed a lot. But I, I really would say that what we really have to be careful of, and it goes back to that old school bit of graft to create someone who is a beautiful hairdressing craftsman or woman that there, I think we're going to have to be careful that because some people we tend to want it a little bit easier or think it's going to be a little bit easier. And there's a lot in the world that can be faster and easier. But to be that good a hairdresser and somebody that can look after people, there isn't a quick fix. And so yeah. people... And salons like us that are continually training people um, have really got to face that if we want to keep producing that level of quality. Mm. So we've got to be really careful because they can sometimes make us feel, well, yeah, it might be a bit easier now because things are like that in the world. But personally, I'm going to put my hand up and gonna say, I don't think so.
0: Yeah okay you, you um, we're a similar generation I'm older than you but uh, we very much came up in a generation your dad was at the forefront of it of hairdressing shows and uh, yeah. the excitement and glamour and energy around all that and um, I mean you've been no stranger to being on stage with your wife India doing beautiful work, great photographic work you know amazing shows etc. the industry's changed a lot. And what, what used to motivate, I suppose this is what I'm asking, what used to motivate you and me 20, 30 years ago to get on stage and to do some hair in front of an audience and all that sort of stuff. Um, lots of businesses, yours included are are less, um, less active in that area now. And I'm also suggesting that a young hairdresser today, today is less turned on by that. I mean, yes, they are to whatever degree, Absolutely. but, but yeah. less turned on by it. So what is it that they're turned on by now that that excites them to, to want to stay in this industry and and grow within this industry and for them to see a future in your company or, or whatever? I mean, obviously, we can't talk about that without touching on the social media thing. So uh, awards. Again, I was incredible, you've got more awards than you can point a stick at sort of thing, you know. Uh, Do do awards have less relevance today? I I mean, I often touch on this, you know, uh, because I think today that social media has become such a big part of things Mm -hmm. that they're less interested in having a double page spread in a magazine. They're they're less interested in being on stage, that there are different things that motivate them and excite them than, you know, what it was 20 years ago. And I think, I think for us as, as like, uh, you know, older hairdressers that that have a, a still a very important leadership role in the industry. I always think it's really important to try and understand what their hot buttons are, what motivates them, what excites them, you know, um, and so, but I don't have a salon. I'm not in the firing line with these people. And I could before we started recording, you started talking a little bit about some of the new youngsters that you've got joining you today. Um, are they motivated by awards? Are they motivated by, you know, doing magazine work and and doing shows, or or is it? Are they more being pulled in another direction? I think one of
2: the interesting things we've talked about awards a lot in the past number of years. And part of, I remember speaking with a journalist uh, who's been involved with awards for a long time and she said, it's great when you win it, but you're maybe not sure if you want to be involved if you're not going to win it. <laughs> and, and I thought, yeah, and it was just, I kind of thought, well, of course, but what, what, I think what it was is in the 80s, and I've spoke to someone in uh, a few other industries, actually, and they've said like advertising industries and and uh, financial services and things and they said yeah you know like maybe in the 80s and the 90s it was it really was such a uh, these were decades of change and discovery there's still things in fashion being discovered and hairdressing being discovered and well yes there's, there's still creativity there but the taboos have been there's a lot of boundaries have been broken through and so the awards are and there's more awards and they're more available to more people to enter and Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of awards that absolutely the credibility is there and there's some of them maybe a bit less so because it all depends who goes in for them. Mm. And um different businesses are at different generations uh, and so they, they mean different things to different people at different stages of their business, I think. And so I think these days a lot of it is, you know, like your local press is not going to do a double-page spread on you because you won an award, mm. whereas they used to. That was... That that, it it meant more then because now it's like well there's okay it's part of the story when you Mm. you know if they do something on something else and um they can be a a fantastic mechanism for driving a business for validating who you are and what you're about they absolutely have their place but it's interesting we have over the years watched you know less need from people to i want to get involved on stage work and i want to Push myself to those edges. It's nice to have, but I maybe don't want to do it all, and that's that's okay. You know, it's, you've got to find different people want different things, mm. and the so the, I think the awards is an interesting one. I think it really varies um, depending on uh, what stage of an age of the businesses and what its needs are, and where its brand sits. Um, but they can be they can absolutely are great for a team. Um but it, it's interesting, I think there's it's interesting who you see going in for awards and, and who's not, and across the country and different countries as well, and where and where they sit. Um mm. they've, as I say, they've, they've got a place and, and we do and, and we do enter awards um but not not as um prolifically as we used to yeah
1: Yeah. i think we recently when we've done it we've tried to use it as a vehicle and a journey for people it's not just about the award it's about creating um growing yourself you know doing a photograph finding the model it's and it's getting people that are willing to go through that that bit of um again it goes back down to a bit of graft a bit of you know Really putting yourself out there, um, to, and it's lovely when you do see people doing it because it's as we would say to people: it's not just about winning; it's about getting yourself there. Because actually, yeah, you're going to gain so much more through the process.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Than necessarily winning it, because yeah, there's a people lot of
0: always underestimate. The yeah,
1: yeah. And so I would always try and coach people on that bit. Mm. And if we put somebody forward, we want them to be, I suppose, ready to appreciate that bit. Because that's where your personal development is going to come. Yeah. And yeah, then it's point. lovely to be able to watch somebody like that then help somebody else, themselves younger, not necessarily mm. us doing it yeah. as well. Yeah. And so okay. I think that if you can look at it that way, it can be really healthy.
0: mm we we we've gone all this time. We haven't touched on the word COVID, but I did I did want to find out how your business is in a oh. in a sort of a post COVID world. I'm sure you've heard different people I've spoken to, whether in this country, Australia, or, or, or uh, uh, the US, who have really been knocked about by COVID in terms of their team returning or not returning. Um, how's it impacted on on your business?
2: Well, it's the it's thing. In, in, in that we've been impacted like everyone else. Uh, we've had some people that have left because they don't want to be a hairdresser anymore, to people leaving to set up on their own, to some people that I've worked with for a long time who've just said, I just need a change. Mm. And we, sometimes it's really sore, and, uh, but we understand. And, uh, you know, that's, we're not often, obviously we've not been what they needed at that moment. Mm. And... That's the thing: is that we're, we've all experienced. We've been forced into experiencing change that we didn't want. And as we come out of the other side, you know, in the world today, is we're going. Oh well, actually, we are still here, and we change can be okay. And it's making everyone, you know, all walks of life, reflect on well, what do I want now? And um, and so we, I think, one of the biggest learnings is that we've been uh, forced into being more flexible in the way we run the business. Mm. And so, for example, because of distancing regulations, you couldn't have everyone in the salon at the same time, so people had to have a Saturday off, Mm. which was, you know, sacrilegious before. (laughs) You know, you just weren't allowed to do that. This is the industry we work in. Whereas now it's like, yeah, you can have every third Saturday off because, well, you had to. Yeah. And now... That where the restrictions are reduced, we we've um, we're feeling committed to embracing a lot of these changes, and we're saying, you know, as long as you know, if the clients want those, those those hours, you know, we've got to be more open to realising actually the clients maybe don't want to always come in when they wanted before, maybe not on a Saturday. Um, people want to use their time differently, and that that work life balance, um, to make it in a very simplistic sense, where um, which always felt pretty good before, but actually the needs are, have changed. And so we, in order to, you know, going back to what we said earlier on about being attractive to your family and to your team, is that's part of it as well. So we've got to be open to evolving, to understanding their needs, and, um, but keeping an eye on the business to make sure all the things, you know, we, um, we support the business so the business can support us. You know, it needs to be, it's a, it's a relationship, it's a two-way
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, transaction. Do you, that. Yeah, do, do you ever consider how your business model might evolve? I mean, there are salons all over the world now. That because not just because of COVID. COVID has sort of sped it up and really shone a light on it. Um, yeah. You know, I often talk about COVID as being an accelerator. That that yeah. that it, it's made things that would have taken five to ten years to to really be in you know integrated into the way we live. It had just sandwiched it into twelve months, um, and we all had this sort of downtime to reassess our life, what was important to us, how we wanted to live, how we wanted to work, and as salon owners, we, we have. To to now adapt to that. And you gave a great example with Saturdays because of social distancing. And and sometimes we're blind to something. It was just like, as you said, it's this industry. We all work Saturdays, et cetera. But you sit back and you go, well, actually, why? Just because we've always done it that way. And clients have as well like, why do I have to go to the salon then? Like, you know, yeah. just because it's always been that way, why does it have to be that way? So, so the business model is being upended, you know, people are are, are playing with different, you know, ideas about, you know, co-working spaces or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Do you ever think about different ways that your business model, you know, could evolve might evolve because that's, what's hard for anybody but when you've had a, a business for 56 years, it must be even harder to, hmm. you know, to think of things like that as, as changing because it's always been the way it's been, so to speak.
2: I think one of the, you know, if we're talking about you know, whether people are employed or self-employed, which is, you know, has been in growing slowly over years, and I agree has been accelerated. I, I think it's, you've described it really well, it's been like the great accelerator. Um, we employ everyone, and the you know we 've talked about that, should you let somebody go self employed or uh, you know, work somewhere else and we interviewed someone who said, "I still want because I just work three days for you and still be rent a chair somewhere else for two and that was it was really challenging because it made us go wow that 's what somebody who is in their mid 20s wanted yeah and it it challenged. Um, our way of being to think that way. We, we decided it wasn't right at the time, but the the idea it would affect the culture mm-hmm. was one of the things that makes us what we are. Is our culture and the way we work together. And if you take away, if you change that these building blocks, you're you're, you're going to end up with a very different result. So, you need to be very careful. I don't think there's any right or wrong. You just need to be very careful about what you do. Um,
0: but that's and- definitely that's definitely becoming a thing. We yeah, just spoke and, yeah. Right. and
2: so we don't know quite the exact answer. like different places, there's different needs, you know, different cities, different towns, the, the needs are different, um, and certainly we've not needed to go down that road. Um, hmm. But it does feel like an increasing unfair uh, playing field with, you know, there's only 30% of salons in the UK pay VET so the value-added tax, so, you know, our prices are 20% higher mm. and I reckon these are the salons or the majority of them are the ones that are training in the industry. So, you know, that's inputting um, a lot, it's give, 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 giving a lot, but we're not getting <laughs> to hang on to, you know, um, uh, the same amount of money that other people do. So, yeah. um, I think it might change. it would be interesting to see what happens in the next few years in the industry and, you uh, um, we just have to keep our eye on it, but certainly here in Edinburgh in Scotland, we've been able to um, maintain um, to be employed, and a lot of other people do here too. But there's other times I've heard that are you know their cultures maybe the, the
0: the other one. Yeah, know. yeah, okay. Um, b- before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about your um, affiliation, if that's the right word, with. Uh, uh, teenage cancers trust. Um, I know that as a salon that, that you, you do, or as a company that you, you know, support them in some shape or form. So so can you tell me about that? Because I don't, I don't know a lot of the detail about it, but, um, yeah. you know, how does that, uh, impact well, for, on the salon? What is yeah. it you actually do?
1: For a long time though, it's really my dad who got into this. Um, uh, we, you know, to support, teenagers with cancer, and the idea was to have real hair wigs so that they could be looked after as best and look as great as as, as possible. And he, he, at the time, tried to get and did get a number of people around the UK um, to join in with this and give their time freely to give something back to people. Um, And I know I'm very aware that there are loads of hairdressers around the country and the world that do this in different forms as well. Well, Trevor Sorby's done an amazing set up there, getting so many people involved, which is absolutely brilliant. And we we always did it through the Teenage Cancer Trust. And just over the past few years, they've decided to change the way that they're using their, their funding. And we're now doing it through and for the Little Princess Trust. So we just, as a, as a group, continue to do that free of charge um, and it tends to be um, for people, we do it free for people under the age of 24. Mm. We also, obviously, will have a number of clients that are um, needing help with wigs, so we, we do that as well. And it's just a nice way of giving something back To people. Um, Often these people and families have been clients of you for years so it's lovely to be able to support them and their families as well because it's not just the person that's going through the treatment, it's often the family the parents, the brothers, the sisters that are going through um, a lot of uh, challenge there and so it's nice to be able to just support that it's something that we will continue to do like as I say many salons around the the world do that's just Mm. we're very fortunate it's something that we can do that makes such a difference to how people feel.
0: Yeah I know you were saying something about that before Joshua where you were saying how it's it's something that we as hairdressers can do you know uniquely like like Anyone could run a marathon to raise some money, or not. Anyone could run a marathon, but you know what I mean. Um, People could write out checks or whatever, but but we have a unique gift that we can, you know, contribute to that. And I think that's it's not just important for us. I think our team really get into that as well, don't they?
2: Yeah, it's. I like to think of it is it's. You know, it it doesn't take a lot of resource to to look after someone, whether it's, you know, they need their wig washed and blow dried, which is very difficult for them to do at home. Whereas we have that skill. It's not difficult for us to do that. And it's easy in, in, in essence. It takes a bit of effort, you need to give your time, but the, but the result, the impact is very high. Mm. And as opposed to an organized event sort of thing, you know, is it something you want to get involved in or not? But, so it's, it's interesting. Um, there's, there's maybe other industries that are able to do similar things. I'm sure there are, um, and uh, you know because we're as I said before, we look after people. It's what we do. Exactly. And this is just another way we do it. You know, but it's the the impact, as Jason just said, on the wider family is 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 really interesting, and that's something we've really witnessed and heard um, that their their emotional well-being. Not just the person who has cancer, it's everyone else around
0: them. Their emotional
2: well-being is impacted too. So it's 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 high impact.
0: And I, I bet I've not thought of it like this before, but I bet because it is part of your business that it has a very interesting impact on a young hairdresser as well, who hasn't thought about hairdressing in that context. They think about it as glamour and you know, fun and exciting and whatever. But there's another side to it, which must sometimes creep up behind them and tap them on the shoulder, and then give them a warm, fuzzy feeling that, wow, mm. I can actually make people feel really good. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. use this skill in a different way. I think that's a yeah. If you, a, you get
1: somebody that's just learned to blow dry, and they've been part of prepa- preparing a wig mm. for someone that they've, they've got, wow, I've just left school. I've been working for a year, and I
0: did that
1: for somebody. Mm. It's quite a powerful.
0: It is. It is.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Look, we need to. Uh, we need to start wrapping up. Um, I've I have thoroughly enjoyed digging in like this and having a great chat with you. I've i very much appreciated. I've got a lot Absolutely. out of it myself. Uh, and I know the audience would have this as well. So, whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or any other social media channels? Uh-huh.
2: Well, our website is charlemiller which we're very lucky to get hold off a long time ago. Um, and our
1: uh, Instagram is uh, Charlie Miller Salons, and we also have Charlie Miller Artistic Team and Charlie Miller Care.
2: Okay, well wow. All of them on Instagram, three different accounts. Yeah. You know.
0: Right, yeah. cool. And we didn't even get to talk about the hair care, so we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah that's a that deal. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast with Jason and Joshua Miller and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, uh, share it to Instagram stories, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So to wrap up, Jason and Joshua Miller, thank you so much for being on this week's yeah. episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast.